0: for us to position ourselves to hear the word of the Lord and to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. That's why we worship together. We sing songs together to be in one accord, one mind, one heart, and then to bring in the presence of the Lord and to sit in his presence. Amen? To establish his authority in this place so that we would pay attention to what God's saying. I'm asking you to please turn to the book of Mark. We are in a series that we just started last week, so I'm asking you to turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 1. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, and, uh, but what I want to remind you from last week is this, that this is the gospel represented by the lion. Mark is a lion. He is bold, he's ferocious, he comes in like a storm. And this book starts off with a forceful entrance. And Mark begins saying this, The beginning of the good news of Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance, for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. Oh, I indeed baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John is not a gentle figure. John is a ferocious voice that cries out in the wilderness. And so when you come to the introduction of the good news of Messiah, you uh, open up Mark with a trumpet blast, a roar of a lion and the shout of John the Baptist, who is declaring thus saith the lord he's speaking a prophetic word mark brings us right to the old testament coming like a freight train right into the new entrance of messiah and it is powerful it is awesome and so let's take a look at the messenger this morning the messenger is this john the baptist but what is his message and what is he bringing Mark eludes us to three witnesses that bear witness to his ministry. He first says this. He says that it is written in the prophets. And so the first prophet he quotes is Isaiah 40. Prepare the way. Prepare a highway for our God. And so Isaiah 40 says this. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of Yahweh in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God, Elohim, in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up, every hill will be leveled, and the uneven ground will become smooth, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord will appear, and all humanity will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now listen, this is earth shaking. Do you get this? This is rumbling. This is roaring. Mountains are falling. Valleys are rising. Crooked places in the earth are shifting and being made straight. The rubble is being removed, and the glory of God is ushering in the voice of the Lord so that all will see the glory of God. It's powerful. That's John. John the Baptist is an awesome guy. He wears camel hair, furry clothes, and a belt, man. Comes eating, snacking on locusts and eating honey. Blah, blah, blah. Crunch. Blah. You pay attention to this guy, right? He's not your common guy walking by. Oh, say, could I say something to you? He's got a voice. And it's crying in the wilderness. And people come out to him. That's what that voice does. It commands the attention of Israel. So that all of Israel, read the chapter as I read to you in Mark, they all came out to the wilderness. They came to the voice. Do you know that people are looking for a voice to follow? Everyone is looking for a voice to follow. We've got 2% of the population right now causing the entire nation to make laws according to their decree, laws according to their will, laws according... Every city is voting on laws based on 2% of the population's demand. Why? Because they got a loud voice. 80% of this population says they're Christians. We squeak. What wimps church is a dismal wimp in the 21st century. We got to learn from John. Hey, You have a voice. You have a voice in where you work. You have a voice in your community. You have a voice in your house. You have a voice in this land. Be the people of God. You speak with the authority of God. Don't worry it's not your authority it's His. Be the voice. And so our first witness is Isaiah. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. So there's preparation that has to be made. But there's a second witness he alludes to in Malachi 3, verses 1 through 4. He said, it's a voice spoken by the prophets. There's more than one reference of Christ's coming, obviously, and of John's preparation. But he said, the voice of the prophets. And so Malachi 3, 1 through 4 says this. Behold, I send my messenger. Right? That's who John is. He's the messenger. And he will prepare a way before me. Isn't that what he said in Isaiah? And so the messenger comes to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in the righteousness to the Lord. I love this because what it says is from the voice crying in the wilderness is the messenger, but the Lord will come from the wilderness, where to? To the temple. Christ came, baptized out into the wilderness, into Jordan, began His ministry, and He ends up in the temple, according to John, to bring a refiner's fire to the tribe of Levi. And what does He do once He arrives in the temple? He turns over the money changers. He cries forth and brings the refining of what His Father's house should be. The Lord has come. This also alludes to His second coming. Oh, He's a refiner. Fire, he's the one who cleanses us with that pure, fuller soap to cleanse us of our sin. But he's coming again, no longer to cleanse from sin, he's coming again to bring judgment. Because once he's come, now he's going to refine all things with fire. Amen? And that's the second witness for John that he is the voice to prepare the way. And last of all, Malachi chapter 4 says, Look, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So here's the third witness. Now what you find in this is very interesting. Because he says, I'm going to send the prophet Elijah who is going to prepare the way for Messiah. He's going to turn the hearts of fathers to sons and sons to fathers. He's going to turn hearts towards God. What's interesting is when we look at John the Baptist, when you see the reference of Elijah and John, that's why Mark said and described how he was dressed, because Elijah in 2 Kings, they said, Who sent you? And he said, Well, he had a garment of hair and had a leather belt around his waist. That was Elijah the titchbite. Well, what did Mark tell us of John? John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honeys. John came in the representation of Elijah. He looked just like the guy. Elijah was an awesome powerful prophet now the prophecies declare that i'm sending my messenger to prepare the way he is going to be a voice in the wilderness crying prepare the way of the lord he's going to shift and alter the ground of the nation of israel to prepare their hearts and he will be like elijah as he returns some people look at this and they say oh see we believe in reincarnation elijah just got reincarnated in john no absolutely not take a look at the message well as a matter of fact let me take you to Luke Luke chapter 1 now I'll take you to John John 1 19 you see the leaders came out the Pharisees the scribes the Sadducees came to hear this voice they came to see John and they asked him this this is the witness of John when the Jews sent him the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem they asked him hey buddy who are you by what authority do you speak? Now, this is a common question always asked of rabbis who had authority to declare the word of God. And as rabbis would declare, the first question always was, by whose authority do you speak? Because every chief rabbi sat under another rabbi. And so they ask him, by, well, who are you? And he says, look, I'm not the Messiah. I'm the voice. Preparing the way. So he declared clearly, he is not the Messiah. Then they said, well, are you Elijah? Why did they ask him if he was Elijah? Because the prophecy said, Elijah's coming before Messiah. And, dude, you look like him. Right? And what did he say? Is he Elijah? I am not Elijah. Then they asked, are you the prophet? What prophet? What Malachi said. I send my messenger before you. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Okay, well, wait a minute. You're not Elijah, you're not. but you say you're the voice in the wilderness. You're the one coming. Who are you? Let me take you to Luke chapter 1. Read what the angel Gabriel said to Zechariah at the birth of... Uh, concerning the birth of john he said this in luke 1 verse 13 do not be afraid Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife elizabeth will bear you a son you shall call his name john the grace of god is upon you that's what that means and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the lord And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will be a Nazarite. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Go before who? The Lord. Yeah, he will go before God. He will have favor before God, right? Before the Lord, and he will be great before the Lord, and he will go before him. And so he will go before the Lord, in the spirit and power of, who? Elijah. So uh, the Gabriels telling Zechariah that this boy, this Nazarite, is having an anointing on him all his life, he will go before the Lord, he will be that messenger, and he will come in the spirit of Elijah. and the power of Elijah. Why? To turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Well, that sounded familiar, didn't it? Again, a direct quote from Malachi 4 to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and to the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So the Lord is making a way. That's who John is. He's not Elijah. But he's come in the spirit of Elijah, in the power of Elijah, in the office of that prophet, who is the messenger to prepare Israel for their Messiah. That's the messenger. Now, what's the message? What is the message? How do you prepare the way? How does he do this? Let me share with you what Jesus said about it in Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verses 11 to 14, Jesus said this about John. By this time, John is now locked up in prison. But Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. So is he Elijah reincarnated? Absolutely not. Is he the person of Elijah? No, he's offering in, walking in the office of Elijah under the Spirit and power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit as Elijah did. Did you get that? And so... He is Elijah who is to come. Now, let's back up. This is an amazing statement. Let's find out what Jesus is saying. He's saying, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Now, how many people are born of a woman? Yeah, that's just another phrase saying everybody born. Out of everyone born ever from Adam to John, there's no one greater than John. Ooh. Hey, he's greater than Isaiah, greater than Malachi, Micah, the guys who prophesied about him. Why? Because he's got the best news anyone could give. And he's preparing the nation for the event that changes the course of human history. He is the greatest prophet that ever lived. We don't look at him that way. We just, he's the camel hair guy, you know? It seems like he didn't dress for the occasion, but he did. He was dressed and clothed in the power and the anointing of God to do the Lord's will, and so there's no one greater than him. But hold on, hold on, hold on. Yet, the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he who's in the kingdom of heaven. Those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist who was the greatest prophet of all because he was of the old dispensation. He was a prophet under the old covenant which was a type and a shadow. Though he was the greatest because he was the closest and nearest to Messiah. Anyone who is saved under the anointing and the blood of Jesus is greater than any Old Testament prophet. Come on. You're better than John. You're greater than Isaiah. You're greater than David. You're greater than Moses. Let's act like it. Let's speak like it. Let's declare like it. Look, if John came in like a lion, we should be thousands, millions, billions of lions strong. We're greater than John. We have more revelation than John had. It's a fact that at this point when John's in prison, he says... Hey, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? You're saved because you've declared him Messiah. You know him as your Savior. Oh, my goodness. This is amazing. Look at who you are. Turn to your neighbor and said, look at me. What, are you embarrassed by that? Come on, look at me. I'm better than John the Baptist. Why? Because I'm the least. I'm the least. There's nothing in me that's of any value. There's nothing in me that's any good except the Spirit of God, Christ who lives in me. Amen? Amen. There's nothing good within me, Paul said, that is in my flesh. Right? But Christ who lives in me. Wow, look at you. Greater than this who is a voice in the wilderness. Now, from the days of John the Baptist until now. That's a short time. So he's setting a measure out. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now. Now, I don't know if that's been a year in Jesus' ministry up to this point when he's preaching. But he said, from the beginning of John the Baptist till now when Jesus is speaking. We're right still in the middle of his ministry. He says, in that period of time, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Now, that is just like, what in the world are you saying? no clue what that means. Then he goes on, he says, for all the prophets in the law prophesied up to John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. So we have a dispensation from all the prophets up to John. And then from the time, see, he's setting a tape measure out. From, from all the prophets all the way back, Adam was a prophet, all the way up to John, we got a tape measure. That's the law that was the concerning Old Covenant of what was coming. But now he takes tape measure. He goes, from John to right now when I'm talking to you kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I don't know what that means! <laughs> now, doing a word study on this and, and searching it out deeper, we come to understand something. First of all, I, I believe that the book of Matthew was written in Hebrew and I believe what J- Jesus taught. He didn't teach in Greek. He spoke Hebrew. He taught in Hebrew and he would use Hebrew colloquialisms, Hebrew idioms, Hebrew statements. and, And you have to understand this statement in Hebrew, not Greek. Greek doesn't work it out as understanding. And usually, remember, Jesus never said anything on his own. What he spoke, he heard from the Father. So everything he said is in reference to what he heard the Father say, which is basically always a reference to Scripture. And so where does this Scripture align itself it aligns itself with Micah chapter 2, verse 13. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. It sounds like the kingdom of heaven is being overthrown. From John till me, there have been people who have been overthrowing heaven. But in fact, it's the opposite. Because it is a reference to Micah, and I'll share it with you. Here is what the nestle allen Greek interlinear says. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of the heavens is forcibly entered and violent men seek it or seize it. It's a better understanding. What is being said here is this. John and I have been forcibly bringing the gospel into the earth breaking the power of sin, the power of religion, the power of bondage, and we are forcibly bringing the entrance of the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's saying. This thing, come from heaven, is the salvation of God that is now busting through, breaking through all the alignment of, of what the enemy had put man in bondage, ultimately to where Christ hangs on that cross and breaks the power of death. Because the reference is to Micah 2.13. And that prophecy is, the one who breaks open the way will go up before them. He will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. It's a direct reference to the shepherd who comes to break open the sheep gate and lead the sheep out of their bondage. And that's what he's saying. From John till now, the kingdom of heaven is here. We're breaking loose what God had always promised, and we're taking it by force. We're tearing down strongholds. How many of you remember when he sent out the 70 into the cities? When they returned, they were delighted. They said, even demons, listen to what we said. The sick will recover because by force, God was bringing in the power of his kingdom. He was demolishing the strongholds of Satan. He even said, I saw Satan fall lightning over that city. You're busting in. You're breaking in. From John till now, it's the first time we've got deliverance and salvation from God breaking in for all mankind. That's the holy violence he's talking about. We don't speak of violence of hurting other people. Our warfare isn't with people. We're to love other people, to care for people. Our violence is in the heavenlies. We come against the bondage of sin, the brokenness, and the power of death to decrease it and have life everlasting. Amen? That's what Jesus is saying. John brought it. John measured it. John ushered it in. And to me, now that I've come, I am the King. I am the Lord. And I will pass through this violently to bring salvation into this earth. Amen? I'm glad God is a warrior. He is El Gabor, the mighty God. Everlasting Father, Isaiah 9.6 says. He's a warrior. I hate paintings of Jesus being so wimpy. California Jesus. It was even long hair. Dude, man. Look. Come on. He crushed the serpent's head. He destroyed the power of death. He broke religious uh, mindsets. He busted into the temple and cleansed it. He's a refiner's fire and he said, I'm violently coming. This is the gospel of Mark. Roaring like a lion. Salvation is here. No little squeak out of that. It is the roar of God. Salvation is here. Okay, so, so that's what he said. That's the message. The message is that we're to prepare the way of the Lord because it's going to bust through with violence. Well, what, what is the message? Repent. Repent. How do you prepare the way of God? What is the breakthrough message that will break the enemy, that will break the power of sin? What is that breakthrough message? What was John's message as he brought everybody into the wilderness? What did he say? Repent! The kingdom of God is at hand. What was the first declaration of Jesus after his baptism? After in Luke 4, he arrived in the synagogue and began his ministry. What was his first word? Repent! kingdom of God is at hand. This is the breakthrough. Repent. Repent. This is how you make the low places high. This is how you make the high places low. This is how you make the crooked places straight. He said, I got to get you ready for Messiah. Messiah is coming with power. Messiah is coming with uh, vengeance against sin and against all pride And and brokenness, he's coming. And here's how you prepare, Israel. You repent. How do you repent? You come into these waters and you die. Baptism is a death to self. Now, let's get this straight, brothers and sisters. We forgot what repent means. If you would ask the average Christian what repent means, they would say to be sorry for your sins. Well, that don't cut it. Everybody's sorry for their sins. Ask a sinner, is he sorry for his sins? He'll say, yeah. Repentance is not being sad. But that's where we are. Ah, sinned again. Well, if I say, God, I'm sorry, and I feel bad about it, I'll be forgiven. That is not repentance. The word doesn't mean being sad. The word means you change your mind. You turn your direction. In fact, in Matthew, John says, I have come to preach repentance to bring forth the fruit of repentance. What is the fruit? What is the fruit? What is the fruit of repentance? The action of fruit is a demonstration. The action of a changed mind. I've had a very interesting week this week working with people who are absolutely broken and absolutely crushed. I know of three people this week that are on their deathbed because of sin. Can I tell you every one of them, sorry, but I don't know if they've repented. Because right now, they're in a bed, and they've stopped because of the bed, but I don't know if they've changed their mind. There's no repentance without a changed mind. How many of you know Esau, the story of Esau? Remember Jacob and Esau? Remember that Jacob swindled him out of his birthright and his blessing, right? And, and uh, he well, he, he, he just traded it for porridge. The man didn't have to give him soup. He could have said, look, dude, go get a can and open it up yourself, right? He didn't have to give him his porridge for his birthright. What is that? But he did. But then Jacob went for the blessing and put a piece of fuzzy hair on his arm and said, I'm Esau. He, you know, faked his data. So Esau comes and it says in Hebrews that he came... Uh, with crying and tears uh, for you know the latter when he wanted to inherit his father's blessing he was rejected because he found no opportunity to change his mind even though he sought the blessing with tears he cried Esau was upset he was sad I'm sorry so why didn't he get the blessing he was sad because he didn't get what he wanted But he did not have a change of heart. Look, brothers and sisters, I've got to to ask you something. You might have been sad about your sin, but have you changed your ways? Come on. I feel really bad about this, Lord. That's not repentance. Many of us have been at this altar. We're sad. Jesus, I'm sorry for this alcohol abuse. I'm sorry for this adultery. I'm sorry for what I've been watching. Next week, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sad about this alcohol. I'm sad about this adultery. I feel terrible about it. I feel awful in front of you. This is not repentance. It's a change of heart. How can I take these high things and make them low? This is no easy task. How do I prepare the way of the Lord? Is it all my effort and all my work? No, you have to have a determined mind to say, I will not and I cannot do this anymore, but it is only the power of God that can change that course in you. But you've got to prepare the way for his spirit to move in your life. It's, enough to say, it's not enough to say boo-hoo. You must be determined. I'm done with it. And John called all of Israel into the desert. And he said, you get out here and you die to yourself so that we can have Messiah come and deliver us. Deliver us from evil. How many of you have cried out to God, oh God, deliver me from evil? You've not changed your mind. God says, change your mind about it. David said he had to hate sin. You have to come to a place where you hate your sin. You hate it. The concept of it is breaking you apart, tearing you apart, so that God can now give you the power by His Spirit to overcome sin. This is what He wants. Godly sorrow brings repentance, which leads to salvation. Another word for salvation is deliverance. And leaves no regret. Worldly sorrow brings doubt. So there's two kinds of sorrows. One kind of sorrow is, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I'm in this situation. I'm sorry I'm reaping what I sowed. This is a drag. This is a bummer. God saved me from my works of disobedience. But true repentance brings godly sorrow, a broken heart and a changed mind, 180 degrees. I've changed my mind. I am not going back. Deliver me. There's where the salvation comes and the deliverance comes in. How many of you have been delivered from something because you've repented? you changed your mind about it. Everybody in here should be raising your hands if you're saved. You decided not to go back to the world of sin. You changed your mind and said, Jesus is my Savior. That was a softball. I lobbed it to you. That's how the voice was coming. That's what John is saying. There is power coming and we're going to break the power of sin in your lives by force, forcefully breaking it, by truly repenting unto God. All godly sorrow, a brokenness before God. And this is the only way you're ever going to see a revival. This is the only way this nation will get out of its sin place. He said, if my people called by my name will confess and what? turn 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 from their wicked way that's the only way a true revival only comes when the high place is level the low place is raised the crooked is straight because the people of god have died to themselves they've changed their mind we can't keep going the way we're going we can't keep doing what we're doing i repent of my worldly ways it's not enough to be sorry. Now, what happens? The message of repent was from a man who was sent by God with a purpose and a mission to be a voice crying. In the wilderness. Wilderness is always depicted. As a desolate place of the enemy. It's a place of sin. It's a place of the world. It's a place of the enemy. And He came boldly. Into the wilderness. And he was a voice. Of one crying. Change your ways. Change your mind. Get ready for what God's going to do. And he was a voice. In the wilderness. You are greater than John, our text said. And you are a voice in this wilderness of the United States of America, in Michigan, in Detroit. You're a voice in this wilderness, in this desolate place. You're a voice. What I love about that is being a voice is he wasn't an echo. He wasn't a repeat of somebody else. He was a voice. He had presence. He had power there. He didn't repeat what somebody else said. He knew what his call was. He declared what his purpose was. As you are a voice, you're not the echo of somebody else. You don't represent Tim Tyler. You don't represent your mommy, your daddy. You represent Jesus. He gave you a voice to speak in your wilderness and to call people unto yourself. It's time that the church became a voice again in this wilderness we've been wandering for 40 years like Israel uh, without faith it's time for the people of God to be a voice again in this nation unapologetic amen? amen full of the fire and to take it by force to bring this gospel and to say you need to repent Oh, stop being a Bible thumper. You're not going to win anybody that way. You're not going to win anybody if you Bible thump them. I don't win anybody by any argument. The Holy Spirit saves people's souls. And if they don't know they're sinners, they'll never come to a Savior because they're in the wilderness enjoying the dirt and sand. I love the sequence here. He goes out to the wilderness. He says, all of Israel, you come back to square one and you get back in this desert. It's where you started, you get back here, and you repent. You come out of your cities and out of your man-made conventions, out of your uh, best efforts, and you get back in and prepare a way for God. Israel, you go back into the desert where you started, where you came from, and you die to self because when Messiah comes out of this water and he bursts out of it, he's going into the desert to destroy the work of the enemy, and he's headed straight towards the temple and he's going into the heart of the presence of God and he's gonna turn everything upside down I love that there's nothing like a voice there's nothing like a voice and so you should be we're gonna wear WWJBS bracelets what would John the Baptist say? (laughs) we're afraid to tell the homosexual community it's a sin it's a sin God love you, we love you, we want to care for you, but it's a sin. If we can't call homosexuality a sin, we're not going to call bestiality a sin. We're not going to call pedophilia a sin. We're not going to call uh, adultery a sin. We stopped calling fornication a sin. What else are we going to stop calling a sin? We stopped calling gossip a sin. We stopped calling slander a sin. We stopped calling everything a sin then we've not prepared the way from the Lord. There's only one way to prepare this nation for the coming of the Lord. It's one word, to roar like a lion, like John was sent to prepare. We're greater than John. There's no different message. Repent, America, repent! (laughs) William Barclay wrote a note and said that liquor stores... Liquor sales dropped 40% in Shreveport, Louisiana, and Bible sales increased 300% after one Billy Graham crusade. Liquor sales reduced 40% because one voice said, Repent and come to Jesus. There's a way you can say it as well. You don't have to smash people. You can (laughs) sincerely and lovingly let them know that they're in a wilderness. And you can cry out, please, I beg of you, repent. I care for you, repent. Turn, as I have had to, and come to Jesus. Billy Graham preached in North Carolina and it was reported that the entire social structure of that city was affected. This is revival when someone who is willing to speak and prepare the way for Messiah, salvation's come. This nation's not lost. In this room right now are enough people to change this city, this state, and this nation. Jesus started with 12. He ain't done yet. He's got you. You are greater than John. And how do I know it's going to happen? Mark 1, eight said this. John said, I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Be a forceful, violent people against sin. Speak the mercy and grace of God towards others, but you crush the serpent under your feet. Paul said, the time is coming soon where he will place Satan under your feet. Rise up. Be forceful in your prayer life. Rise up. Have the voice of a John the Baptist. What's ever crooked, make it straight. What's ever low, raise it up. What's ever high and exalted, bring it down. Repent. Turn to God. Let's bow our heads. Jesus.